1: With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell.
0: Good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With a cutting edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, with your host Bay Area pastor, lecturer, professor, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight, we bring you part nine in our series entitled The 10 Disturbing Claims of Christ. Now these 10 claims of Jesus will either draw you or drive you from him, but it is our hope that they will draw you to Christ. These 10 claims of Jesus were so disturbing to the religious leaders of his day that they wanted to kill him. These 10 claims of Christ even today still disturb all false religions and cults of the world who do not know the historic Jesus of the Bible. So stay tuned, buckle up, and get ready to learn about these 10 disturbing claims of Christ and much more. For we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight?
2: Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh... Challenging and uplifting uh, introduction, and uh, we want to thank everybody out there in radio land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by the program tonight. And we are truly blessed to be back live uh, to be a blessing to you in many different ways in the Lord. And as Brother Gary has said, uh, we are continuing this series on the 10 disturbing claims of Christ, and we come to the ninth claim of Christ, and uh, he said over and over and over again, I am, I am, and you know those words, I am, should stop everybody in their tracks, even those today that's doing all of this violent stuff, all of this rioting, all of this murdering, all of this craziness on the streets. We need to stop at the feet of Jesus, who's the I am, and listen to him and repent of our sins, and then he'll be able to heal our land, turn from our wicked ways, listen to the great I am. Now, I want to say something in relationship to the great I am uh, because this is the ninth uh, disturbing claim of Jesus Christ. And every time he claimed the great I am, they wanted to stone him because they knew that that word meant that he was claiming to be equal to Yahweh, equal to God. Now, let me give you some background information and inspiration on this. Because the background to a book is like the skeleton to the body. If you take the skeleton out of the body, the body becomes a quivering heap of jelly-like substance good for nothing. So there is a tremendous, let me say this as number one, there is a tremendous connection between the book of Isaiah and the book of John. And secondly, there is a tremendous connection between the prophecies of Isaiah and the gospel of John. Thirdly, John was influenced by Isaiah's I am's all over the place. That's something important for us to know. John was influenced by Isaiah's I am's all over the place. And fourthly, and Isaiah is the type of gospel of John in the Old Testament. If you were to think about uh, what gospel uh, in the Bible, which is the Gospel of John, and what book in the Old Testament that is closest to the Gospel of John, the Johannian Gospel, it would be the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah, have God all over the place claiming to be the great I Am. And then you also have, in the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John, Jesus, the great God claiming to be I am all over the place as well. Oh, this is a tremendous parallel truth here. Fifthly, and John's presentation of Jesus is based on his claims that Jesus fulfills the prophecies of Isaiah, especially here is a fulfillment formula to cite Is Isaiah is found in Also, John 12, chapter 12, and verses 38 through 41. And in verse 38, that saying of Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke. In verse 41, these things said Isaiah, when he saw his glory, he spake of him. And sixly, and even John the Baptist, take note of this. Now, you're getting a good class on this now. Even John the Baptist was influenced by Isaiah in the Gospel of John. You can see in uh, Isaiah chapter 40 40 and verse uh, 3, it says in Isaiah 40 and verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then, this is quoted in John chapter 1, verse 23. And it says, I am the voice of one that crieth in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah. You see the parallel and the connection between the Isaiah and the Johannian gospel of John. And there are other connections with Isaiah in in the life of John the Baptist words in the gospel of John on two other occasions, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the lamb of God in John chapter one verse 29 and 36. Oh, what a great truth this is and a great connection and great parallel. Now let me say this also, you know, uh, The ninth disturbing claim of Christ is the I am claims of Christ as God. Every cult leader, every false religion need to look at the I am claims of Christ. It'll shut them down. It'll shut down the cult's thinking and teaching as well as every false religion. They get into the claims of Christ and it should shut their religion down, shut their cults down. Uh, and even shut down churches that are not believing, the liberal churches, not believing that Jesus is God. In the Gospel of John, you have seven times, make a note of this, you have seven times, seven tremendous statements of Christ related to salvation. Now, sevens are mentioned throughout the Bible, twelves and threes, but sevens, And uh, so in the Gospel of John, you have seven times or seven statements, tremendous statements of Jesus related to salvation. Let me give an example, these seven points that's related to salvation. Make a note of that. Number one, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35, 41, 48 and 51. Two, I am the light of the world, John 8 and 12. Number three, I am the door of the sheep, John 10, verse 7 and 9. Number four, I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11 and 14. Isn't it interesting? He says, I'm the good shepherd. And when you relate the good shepherd to Psalms 23, <laughs> uh, you got the same connection parallel there. God says he's the shepherd. Now Jesus said he's the shepherd. They're all equal as one. Number five, I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven and twenty five. Number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen and six. Number seven, I am the true vine, John fifteen, verses one and five. Oh this is great truth, tremendous truth. Makes you such makes you should a shout, make you want to shout and jump up for joy to hear this in the Lord. If you're hearing this tonight, you can jump up with joy, run around your front room and praise the Lord, hallelujah. So these seven tremendous statements related to salvation. But notice this, but 23 times in the entire Gospel of John, Jesus uses the word I am. In Greek as ego eimi, regarding to himself as God. The one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and it became a universe. This word is the closest name you can get for God, the I am. In John 8 and 58, Jesus said to the Jews before Abraham, was I am, ego me And Jesus quotes from Exodus 3 and 14, When Moses says, when I go before the children of Israel and they shall ask of me, what is your name? What shall I say? And God said to Moses in Hebrew, "Eh I am that I am. That's what you should go and tell the children of Israel who I am. And Jesus quoted from the Septuagint, opened it up. And when they said, who are you in John 8? Whom makest thou thyself? You're not 50 years of age. Why did they say 50? Because that was the age of retirement for a priest. They said, you're you're not even 50 years of age. And how could you say that? And then they picked up stones to stone them. The Jews were the first to start a rock concert. Every time Jesus claimed to be God, they wanted to rock his world. And so let me say this in conclusion. My friend, if you deny that Jesus is... Yahweh God. You can lose your soul for all eternity. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, keep seeking the word of God, seek his face. He'll reveal it to you through his word and get under a good teacher to break it down to you. You say, is this an essential doctrine? It is my friend. It's an essential doctrine. I wrote a book on the essentials. Now Jesus said in John 8 and 24, if you believe not that I am, notice that word, I am. If you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. For where I'm going, you cannot go. Now, this is a critical verse of scripture. If you believe not that I am he, I am he who? God. The eternal one. So My challenge to you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as God, Emmanuel, God with us, I'm going to challenge you tonight, before I close this message, to do three R's. The first R, recognize that you are a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The second R is repent. That comes from the Greek word montanoia, a military word. It means to turn from something to something, turn from sin, and turn to Christ. And then the third R, receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Call upon his name. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on his name right now and say, I've denied you. I've not only denied you of being God, but I've denied you as being Kurios, Lord of my life, to run my life, control my life, to dictate my life, to be obedient to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Repent, because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that has an ear, let him hear the great I ams of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Gary.
0: All right, well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
1: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay.
0: Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry Bucker. We just want to encourage you to continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. This is a prayer-driven ministry, and we know many of you have been praying for us over these last 20 years or so. We've been on the air, and we just can't thank you enough. Please, please continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. And also, we thank those of you who have partnered with us financially over the last week, especially Benjamin, Diane, Ronald, Jackie, Darrell, and William. We can't thank you enough for your, your generosity and your uh, partnering with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. It, it is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your prayer support as well as your financial support in order to continue to do the work that God has called us to do. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, the first way is to address uh, a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. You can just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and the way you will go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity You know, currently we need $150 to uh, take care of our uh, bill here at at the station. And uh, we're just trusting the Lord to to move on the mighty way and move on our folks and move on your hearts to help us meet that, that need. And also to continue to just be consistent in prayer and consistent in giving so that we can continue to stay in the black and not in the red. So it's really important that you continue to pray. And that you continue to give. All right, Doctor Buckner, ready to go to our calls?
2: Yes, sir. Let's do that, Brother Gary.
0: All right, our first caller of the evening is Jermaine.
2: Hello, Brother Jermaine. How you doing?
1: Oh, very good. It's good to hear you guys again.
0: Yes,
2: it's good to hear you as well. We've been on the air now. I think this is the third week, isn't it, Gary? Yep. Yeah, the third week now, and so we are blessed to be back and to uh, uh not only teach God's Word, but to answer questions such as uh, the ones that's on your heart as well, and we trust that you've been doing well and your family, and everybody's been safe and sound.
1: Oh, yes, sir. Everybody's been safe, and I've been praying for you guys. I, I actually found out you were back on the air by accident, so, you know, praise the Lord that you're back.
2: Happy Amen. accident. Amen. <laughs> we, we, we that's a better word. I'll tell you, it's providence. Yeah. Um, nothing ever by accident, but by God's providence. It sounds like, it sounds alike, but they got a more heavier weight with providence. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. 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 What's on, what's on your heart tonight, brother? What's the question on your heart?
1: Well, just, um, of course, all the recent events that have uh, been going on in our country and, I heard the past couple of shows where I'm glad you brought up the topics like, uh, the, uh, current Black Lives Matter movement and just the, the chaos has been out there in the streets. But I was having a discussion with a friend of mine and some family members and they're very pro a lot of what's going on and some of them are professing Christians, but I find that a lot of times, uh, and I'm, I'm for that. That is their right to express themselves, uh, as long as it's peaceful. But, I find that a lot of people are ignorant of a lot of them the mechanisms and the mannerisms of some of these movements and I was kind of looking at the the guidelines that came down from the governor's office. I understand wanting people to quarantine under the guise of keeping people safe, but it almost seems systematic where you you can't you're not supposed to be able to go to church but you can protest. And it makes no sense to me how thousands of people are allowed to gather in a situation I would consider far more dangerous versus people following the rules and guidelines and, and going to worship. And then things like you, you're not supposed to sing if you do go to church. And at, at some point, I kind of felt like I had to draw a line, and I would, I would have no problem following the safety guidelines or protocols, taking my family to a church with, with proper distancing. I was just wondering at what point do you say, "Hey, there's a line that's been crossed here, and this this seems like more of a systematic a systematic method to keep you away from worship while endorsing other other methods that are just you know promoting chaos and and uh and just subterfuge out there in the country i, I just want to hear your thoughts on that
2: well, thank you so much and and your uh points are well taken." uh there are uh even though we know that there are some governors and uh, even the governor here Newsom uh has a concern for the people uh on the other side of the spectrum a lot of the governors are on a power trip uh and uh, and we uh have as uh christians and those who are worshipers have uh, the first constitutional uh, right, uh, to worship, uh, separate from any a exposure of the governmental influence. And, and there are some Christians right now that are still having services and they're doing things on a social distance level. Uh, and, uh, I respect that. And I also respect those who decide that they want to, uh, you know, not have services. So, uh, you know, uh, it's a matter of uh, conviction. Uh, and it goes in the face of what uh, Peter said in the book of Acts, we must obey God, then man, because uh, they were trying to shut down uh, them from doing the gospel and doing things. And there's a parallel here. And uh, people, uh, we got to understand that people are intelligent and they've learned a lot from, uh, the lockdown. And, uh, they're also finding that the, the lockdown and the shutdown is sometimes doing more damage to people than people uh, being able to, uh, get out and work. Uh, even the same, same way with, uh, the, you know, teachers. I mean, they got to, I'm glad that, uh, Trump is pushing people to, uh, go back, the kids go back to school and social distance because it's affecting the kids more so than not being in school, being out. And so uh, it comes a point in our lives where, you know, uh, parents got to get back to work. They can't be at home. They can't afford uh, being away from, uh you know, uh, their jobs. And so my conviction is if a church has that conviction to say, you know, we're going to continue to have our services, we're going to social distance, because the left is always uh putting pressure upon, uh, as you indicate, uh, upon the uh, church. But yet the protesters can go out there and they can do all that they want to do, and then they'll endorse that, as well as endorse them taking down the statues and everything else. So it's a it's a uh, it's a double standard and it's hypocrisy. So I believe that uh we have the constitutional right, the first constitutional amendment right to worship uh independent of the government, and there are some pastors saying we're gonna continue to have our services, uh and we are uh and then there are some that's suing the gov- the the governor right now, Newsom right now, because uh, they believe that he's intruding on their rights. So uh, it's a matter of, of uh, conscience. It's a matter of conviction. Uh, I think people are smart. They're wise. And, uh, you know, there's a way to do service uh, without uh, allowing things to uh, spread. And, you know, and maybe they have to hold off with doing, uh, having worship, with a more, maybe a few people rather than a big choir because that stuff spreads all over. So there's a wise way we can do things uh, without um, uh, causing uh this virus to I- ignite and spread. So Yeah,
0: many churches are having outdoor services. Don't know, on Like once a month, they gather. If they have a large enough parking lot, they can hold services outside and have people bring their lawn chairs and what have you and social distance and saying do everything they want to do. Because they're outside, yeah. Yeah. To be somewhere. creative in, in your approach to this, and at the same time, utilize wisdom so that you aren't uh, creating a, a greater problem by spreading. And also, we have to be just you know use wisdom. If you're at that at that age where you're at, especially at risk, you know, older folks just need to be careful. They just really do, uh, and exercise wisdom so that they're the, the ones that are most at risk are not exposing themselves. Oh yeah.
2: So that's a so your question is a good question and there's a many ways we can do things but I agree with you uh Jermaine that uh there's like uh a standard of hypocrisy uh, where they can uh try to shut us down but yet uh on the other perspective uh kind of put their blessings on others out there on the street. So uh so anyway hopefully that that uh helps to add some uh, wisdom and insight to what uh, you're feeling.
1: Uh, yeah, it does. I, I appreciate uh, your feedback, and I 100% agree with you. And I, I will say, had they had more Christ-like worshipers out there, they wouldn't be having those problems in the streets. But, you know, you, you shut the churches down and you get to see what it looks like without without God's hand of protection there. So, So, yeah, thank you very oh, yeah. much. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, people need that. They need that constant, uh, encouragement. It's nothing like being together versus, uh, being, uh, at home all the time. So we appreciate your call and it's good to hear from you again and tell your family and everybody we said hello, keep us in prayer we'll do likewise for you as well. All right. God bless. All right. God bless. Mm. So Brother Gary, uh, look like we almost had another commercial break, and then we have Sophia waiting. Uh, do we have? Well, time? we got
0: four minutes.
2: All right. Well, let's get her going, and then see yeah. what we can
0: do. Yeah. All right, Sophia, are you there?
3: Oh, I am certainly here. I have to just say that Jermaine hit the nail on the head because I think that that a lot of uh, uh, there are some people who would like all the churches to never uh, reconvene um, because it does kind of. Um, uh, interfere with with a lot of the messages that, put, that are being put out there, so I, I think that it 's more than just hypocrisy. I think that there's a lot of anti i mean a lot, a lot of anti christian sem- sentiments now, so anyway, but let me get to my question that was a, I, I think that I agree with Jermaine. that 's what I wanted to say so we need, we need to have our, more churches out there and more Christians out there and uh, sadly, there are some people who don 't want that right now. But mm-hmm. this is my question. It's Romans um, 11, and it starts at at 30. But the, the, uh, to be quick, uh, Romans eleven thirty two. it says, For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. So does that mean that, I thought that we had free will, does that mean God knew ahead of time and wanted us to be disobedient so then we would not think we had all the answers and we could do things on our own, but we had to come to him for mercy? Or did he know ahead of time that Adam and Eve were going to sin and then we'd all be fallen? I don't know what that line means. He bound them us over.
2: Yeah, well, another translation, a more modern translation, would say uh, that for God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. In other words, uh, God through his, uh, per, you know, God has two, several wills. One is his sovereign will and then the other one is his permissive will. So God, a lot of times will allow, uh, man to, uh, uh, pursue his sinful inclination so that he could receive glory by demonstrating his grace and mercy to uh, disobedient sinners, because a lot of times, uh, you know, God didn't create evil, but the potential. And so uh, just like uh, what Adam and Eve, you mentioned that in the Garden of Eden, uh, we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil there. And God uh, always warns us not to do certain things. Uh, but he also gives man the volitional free choice. And out of his free choice, this is saying and out of his free choice, God uh, allows man to make those choices because he doesn't force man to serve him, uh, but he will allow man through volitional choice to choose to even go away from him like the prodigal son. So you see the prodigal son, he literally uh, went away from his father, and the father didn't chase him down, and he ended up in the pig's pen. And, you know, with uh, Jews, uh, that was something that they didn't want anything to do with is dealing with pigs. And he's ended up in the slot with the pigs, mm-hmm. and he ended up realizing he was a sheep and, and in the midst of pigs. And it came to his senses. So what they're saying is that God sometimes will allow men like the prodigal son, uh, to uh, choose to do evil and wrong. And uh, when he hits rock bottom, that's when he realized God allows men to hit rock bottom so that they will discover that he is the rock at the bottom. And when they discover that he is the rock at the bottom, he brings them from the bottom to the top. Because in the rock bottomness, that's when we realize that we really need God and it says that that's when God is able to give grace and mercy, that when we're at our rock's bottom through the disobedience. So God can uh, can allow through his permissive will us to choose to go our own way. And like the prodigal son, which is a classic case of this, he ended up uh, in the slop, in the pigspan, realized his greater need for God. And he wouldn't have never realized that. Having everything he had. But when he went out there, that's when he realized he needed God the most. And that's oh, when God showed so and that's when God showed grace and mercy through the Father to him in the in the midst of his bottomness.
3: I'd like to just quickly say that I hope that because there are so many people who need that, I hope that they maybe were at a point a lot of people have hit the rock bottom and I'm hoping they are going to turn to God. And I also want to say that I have used what you taught me last week with the, the co-worker Jehovah Witness and I told about I Am and it was so fabulous so thank you for hey, that. Sophia,
0: Sophia hold that thought. We need to take a break because we want to hear more about your, your co yes,
2: not don't, don't go anywhere
0: Yeah, hold on. We need to take a commercial break We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith
1: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay.
0: All right. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We have some folks that we want to just lift up in prayer. We want you, the listening audience, to also pray, be in prayer with us over these specific prayer needs. We have a close friend of Ours in Sacramento, Coach Gary and his wife, Janine, who are battling COVID-19, and we want to lift them up in prayer. We also want to lift up uh, Donna Kirkendale, who is another friend of ours, who is battling stage four cancer. And last but not least, we want to lift up our good friend, Sister Diane Langston, who has a brain aneurysm that uh, doctors are saying is inoperable, but we know that the doctors don't have the last say. We know we have a great physician who has never lost a case. And so we wanna take these needs uh, up in prayer and we would like you, the listening audience, to agree with us as we pray. Heavenly Father, we just lift these, these folks up to you, Lord God. As I said, you are the great physician, you've never lost a case, and you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think we know, Lord God, that all things are possible to them that believe, and we're just believing for these folks, for their healing, for their restoration, for them to be lifted up once again. Just like the woman who had an issue of blood, she knew that if she could reach out and touch the hem of your garment, that she would find healing. And so we just pray that our prayers would reach heaven and touch the hem of your garment there, and that your healing virtue would flow into the lives of these folks, oh God. Your children, your saints that need you, that need a touch. We pray that you comfort them because you are the God of all comfort. We pray, Lord God, that you give them peace, your perfect peace. And we pray, Lord God, that you bring them healing and life. Lord God, We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. Amen. Amen. And we had uh, Sophia on the line. You still there, Sophia? Oh, yes. Yeah, and I believe uh, you were making a point about the rock bottomness, and I want to say something on
0: that. Well, it, and your co worker, you were going to and tell us coworker, about yeah.
3: Yes. Well, I want to tell, i let you talk about the rock bottom, but I do want to follow up with the co worker because I tell you, this is why it's so important to listen. Of course, I, I'm contending for the faith, but we have to know the word because. I didn't understand how to kind of come uh, counteract what they're saying. I get watchtowers outside my door, like you can't believe. But I never had the words. And because of you, Dr. Buckner is able to, you know, in a calm way tell her and and you know I, I, all the, poor, the the the, the, the where in the Bible he says, I am. And you know what, Dr. Gorka, you're right, because they say, oh, we believe in Jesus. You know, what are you talking about? We believe in Jesus. But, you know, I think you said, don't they use the little G for God or not? Yeah, they, right,
2: right, they do. They do. Uh, in their New World Translation, um, they uh, which is not a, really a translation, it's an uh, mm-hmm. eisegesis of Scripture, Uh, They have every place where Jesus claimed to be God, and it has a capital G. They have a little g, like, for instance, John 1 and 1. Uh Uh, In the Bible, it teaches that Jesus was God, the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then they have another little g in John 10, verses 30 to 33. But one thing you share with them is John 20 and 28, 29, Uh, when Thomas, after he saw the resurrected Lord, he says, mo, Keo, Theosmo, the Lord of me, the very God of me. They haven't changed that. And most of the time when that's brought out and you generally say, uh, explain this to me, why did Thomas uh, call Jesus my Lord and my God? And the reality is that uh, Thomas being a Jew knew that it was blasphemy to ever call a man God. And Jesus, if it wasn't uh, true, uh, Jesus would have rebuked him as a a rabbi. But Jesus simply said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe, blessed are they, that have not seen and yet have believed. So when they try to jump to one scripture to another, you keep them right there to John 20, 28, 29, because they don't like John 20, 28, 29, and then uh, Revelation, the great I am, Alpha and Omega. And whatever they don't like, You, you, you know, use that in the spirit to witness to them.
3: Oh, that's so good. I wrote that down. I won't forget that because that I didn't know about. So I'm so grateful. And, you know, what I'd like to do, Dr. Gorky, if if I could hang up, I'd like you to address if you could, because I I have this terrible, I don't know, it's an urgency because there are so many people who are really at rock bottom and, and I want your take on is there some? Do you think they will turn to the Lord or reject the Lord? So I would like you to speak on that, please.
2: And who is that you're talking about?
3: Well, just the people. There are so people who are so desperate right now. You know, they feel that everything's falling apart, and I want to, like, scream out and say, no, <laughs> the hand of God don't... You know, I don't know how to approach people. You know, they've lost their job, or they're sick, or they're scared of COVID, or 5,000 different things where they, they, you know, as you said... They can't afford to stay home, um, but their children, you know, some of them don't even have computers, or so if they are home, they're not not—they're not able to learn anyway. So it's a terrible situation, and I don't know how to kind of phrase it in the way where I can really say, you know, they say, well, there's no God because look at all this chaos. I don't know how to answer that.
2: Right, right. Well, the thing about it is uh, that's that. Type of thinking is going to make their situation worse. Uh, when they say that they don't believe that there is uh, no God, or they believe that if there was a God, He wouldn't be, uh, you uh-huh. know, allowing this to go on. But what people have to understand is that, uh, you know, throughout uh, history, uh, there's always been uh, problems and issues and violence and 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 things going on, like it was in Noah's day and. Uh-huh. uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and all of that stuff, you know, but God has always been in control. I think you have to let people know that God is on the throne. Uh, even if you don't believe in him, even if you don't uh, receive him, uh, you can't deny that there is a creator because look at everything around you, you know, the God has rebuilt himself three ways. He's revealed himself but the first C in Romans chapter one in uh, creation and uh, Romans chapter two, the second C he's revealed himself in man's conscience. And the third C uh, in Romans chapter three, he's revealed himself in Christ. And so uh, the Bible says the fool has said, the son has said the fool has said there is no God." God. God is in control, but at the same time, uh, he uh, allows man to have free choice. And uh, if you, you kind of look at it like this, uh, God put us on this planet, right? He put us on this uh-huh. planet when he created Adam and, and Eve.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: he put them on the planet to govern it. So uh, to con- con- to control it, actually, to govern it, he put them as the benefactors of the earth and everything and he said to uh, rule it, control it. And uh, God just stepped back and trusted man would do his thing. And uh, and so prayer is kind of like, look at it from this perspective. It's like uh, a person, uh, a, a father giving to his son and he's getting ready to, he's retiring from a business and he turns the business over to his son and says, you know what, uh, I'm giving everything over to you. Uh, now you control it, you operate it and everything like that. But if you're in a crisis, if you're in a real crisis, uh, call on me, that's kind of like the way prayer works.
3: Uh,
2: you know, God doesn't like, like a father, son, you, this is your business. Now you operate it. But if you're in a crisis, you're in a serious situation, you know, you call on me and I'll help you with the, I'll help you with the situation. And I got experience to get you out of the mess if you ever get in a mess. But what's happening today is that with with the Black Lives Matter and all this chaos and all this stuff, how in the world is God going to be able to help out a people when they don't call upon Him to help them out? Uh-huh. And then how is God going to help them when they don't turn from sin? I think the thing that we got to be a bold with, we got to be telling people that uh, that. All the things that people are doing right now uh-huh. is uh, is the result of a three-letter word that's S I N sin, sin.
0: Uh-huh. and that's
2: the first S. The second S, they need to turn to a Savior who can save them from their sin. Now, so so what does Second Chronicle seven fourteen say? If my people will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. That's what God said he will do if they turn from their wicked ways. Uh-huh. That's what the Bible says. Now, there's no other solution that we can give people in the crisis that they're in, but to let them know that we have a heavenly father that is concerned, and we got to reach out to him, and but we got to repent of sin because uh-huh. sin— it's deeper than skin it's not a skin issue it's a sin issue and we got to repent and turn and god says he'll heal the land now we can go before people and we could uh you know go around the bush with them and say oh you know we're sorry about everything going on and i know you're hurting and i know you don't believe in a god and uh-huh. you don't know, believe this and that but i just want to let you know that jesus loves you he's real And he tells us that we, if we repent and turn from our ways, he will forgive our sins and heal our land. That's the greatest thing. And then the other thing I want to say about man's that this thing that I want to say real quickly that we almost about at the show. Want to say this about when I was saying rock bottom. You know, uh, there's an old saying that some people say, theologians say, it should have been in the Bible. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. Wow. Uh, Man's extremity is God's opportunity. And C.S. Lewis put it this way, um, that God whispers to us, he's the two piece, he whispers to us in our pleasures and he shouts at us in our pain. We just got to listen to what God is trying to say to us. He's trying to speak to us. He's trying to get our attention through the COVID, through all of that. But what's happening it's 2 Thessalonians 2. It says that God has sent them strong delusions that they would believe a lie than the truth. When you reject the truth, it says God will send them strong delusions. We got to get back to the truth in order for our land to be healed. So hopefully that's kind of like help you out with some guidance and some information there.
3: Well, Doctor Buckner, that was I don't even know. That was so magnificent where you're preaching tonight. So thank you so much and God bless you both.
2: God bless you and <laughs> we always appreciate your call and your questions as well. Thank you and God bless. We hope to talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Brother Gary, you want to say a yeah. few words and
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Doctor Buckner, you, you mentioned you mentioned the truth and I think the devil has really been masterful lately at getting people to reject objective, even objective truth. That's right. You -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we have gotten away from objective truth and people are so caught up in their feelings. And, you know, you hear this expression, oh, this is my truth. Mm -hmm. Well, what they're really saying is this is how I want to do what I want to do. And these Mm -hmm. are my feelings that I want to act on, but have nothing to do with objective truth. We have gotten Mm -hmm. away from the truth, like you said. We got to have the people have to be uh, willing to to speak the truth in love, Yes. Because we are caught up in a world that is just consumed with what they want to do and how they feel about things, and mm. the feelings and emotions are driving them to do all manner of atrocities and despicable things. You know, was a, that uh, French philosopher? I think was Voltaire who said that if we can get people to do to believe. In uh, foolishness, we can get them to to one day commit atrocities, and so, and you see that happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, we have got to get people with boldness and and love speak the truth. That's get it. Them back to the truth,
2: and and along with you saying, with that, didn't Jesus say the truth will make you
0: free? Make you free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people absolutely. Need that
2: now they need that freedom because they're not going to find it in all the stuff that they're doing. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then uh, 2 Thessalonians, I know you got to bring it home, 2 Thessalonians, that he says, because they have rejected the truth, that God has sent them strong delusions that they're going really the truth.
0: And you, that's what's going on. And you hear. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And once again, I'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has touched you, blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California. That's spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunities To ask questions and make comments and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.